0: The way the world is right now, it's moving so fast, it's being disrupted so so profoundly, that if you're not learning, you're gonna be left behind.
1: Welcome to Beyond Speaking with Brian Lord, a podcast featuring deeper conversations with the world's top speakers. I'm Brian Lord, and on the show today, we have leadership and performance guru, J.P. Palufry, as he shares the importance of being an aggressive learner, working with Doc Rivers, and how to fight CEO disease. JP is a pretty well-rounded guy. He's the co-founder of the Institute for Health and Human Potential. So I started off the interview by asking him, what is it that he does with his company?
0: We do three things in our business. We have a research group. So we survey over 40,000 people a month, sometimes more than up to 60,000 a month. That's one group. Um, There's three of us who speak regularly, but the bigger part of our business is an assessment training coaching division. And that's, you know, we work with, both on the speaking and on the training side, folks like Goldman Sachs or HCA or Intel or Orlando Magic, Houston Texans, Navy seals, quite a quite a variety, actually. And we have offices in Australia, u s, and Canada, so we're. Pretty global. The book is actually in sixty-five countries. It was um, translated to Lithuanian. That was always my goal in life: <laughs> is to get a book translated in Lithuanian. Now, what's your favorite? What, what's Palu Fry? Yeah, uh, Palu is Ukrainian, and Fry is Irish. Okay, okay, so my background's Ukrainian and farmers from the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs>
1: nice. So, um, and what what got you into this topic?
0: So you know, kind of a good Christian boy that I was, but I found myself in a Buddhist monastery 25 years ago, 1989, 1990, so longer than that, I guess, 29 years ago. My mom, who's still the president of the Catholic Women's League is like, what are you doing in these monasteries? I went because I'm a seeker. And so, you know, I spent all this time and was introduced to this thing at the time, which nobody knew about mindfulness, which is a big thing now, which is great, I'm glad because it's a whole internal technology. So I got really excited about that. And I've always been interested in sports. So I came back and was working at a psychiatric hospital with patients with stress and chronic pain. And some business people took it and said, hey, can you talk to our senior group? And some athletes said, hey, can you help us? Sure, you know, really, no no plan here. And then it just started to grow. And in fact, I'll never forget this um, Novartis Animal Health. Uh, the CEO Byron Beeler, uh, you know, older gentleman at the time, great guy, said he was on the board at a very you know well-known magazine. He said, "Hey, we're having a conference. Could you be the keynote speaker?" I'm like, "This is like 20 years ago." I'm like, "Keynote speaking? What's that? Speak for an hour?" I'm like, "Oh, I can't do that. I got too much." In. <laughs> and I said no to him. And now that's this is what I do. But it's so funny. So it's like was no design here, you know, really no design. But but it's now I'll tell you this. I have such a passion because people are stressed, people feel the pressure, people are suffering. And I love that the content that we bring can help them both kind of at home deal with some of the challenges, but also help them get to that next level of performance. And that, I love that. Like I get juiced by that. What's a sort of
1: a simple way that you can maybe get a little prepared or step up to that next level performance.
0: Yeah, so I'm gonna offer something, even though, I mean, we actually do a fair amount of work in education, but I'm gonna offer something on a real personal level for all the listeners. So if you're a parent or if you're an influencer of young people and your young person has an exam to write, an SAT, Hmm. this is a classic and this is a great little hack. So they're stressed, they're anxious, there's so much anxiety today, right? Here's a great hack. Get them to pull out a piece of paper, 15 minutes. Like teach them this a couple of days before. But before, when they're waiting in the hall, 15 or 20 minutes outside of their place to write the exam, they're just waiting and they're getting nervous. Give them a piece of paper and a pen. Have them write down three things. What am I feeling right now? What am I thinking right now? And what are my body sensations? And just write it out. And the th- you can even write out, this is stupid. Why am I writing this? It's fine. Just write whatever <laughs> comes into your mind. And here's what we know. You do that. It takes all of those ruminating thoughts out of our head. Kinda, it, it literally clears the mind. So we have more markers. So we can think more clearly. And grade point averages go up just from doing that for five minutes. Like wow. what an unbelievable hack that is. <laughs> and, you know, and here's the thing, I have a huge passion around bringing neuroscience, making it easy, accessible. And this is a great one. So just, by the way, we can all do this, right? You don't have to be a 16 year old, 17 year old ready SATs. You can be all of us who have a big meeting. We're going to go in front of a big client. So write out how you're feeling, feeling, thinking, physical sensations. And it's a great way to kind of, it actually gets rid of those things so you can think more clearly, be your best self.
1: I like a lot of things you talk about with preparation and how you respond. Um, one of the favorite stories, too, I know you talk about Doc Rivers.
0: Yeah, well, Doc Rivers is just a class individual. And, and I'm going to bonk on the actual year, but maybe 12 or 13 years ago, um, Doc had come off of being coach of the year. And two years later, he went 0-13. The team went 0-13. It was fired. And that was a really tough decision by you know, John Wisebrod, who was the GM at the time. And, and I was working with the organization and doc called me, I came down and, you know, we're playing, not golf, but uh, hitting on the driving range. And we were talking about, okay, you know, what are you going to do now? You got fired. And he said, well, I got a call from ABC. I'm going to do Sunday game of the week, be the color commentary. But then he said this, and this to me is so inspiring. He said, I think I'm going to go and travel to division one teams and to other NBA teams, and I'm going to audit their practices. I'm like, really? Tell me about that. He said, well, i got to keep learning. I've got to keep learning. For everyone, anyone listening, think about this. This is an, an, an ex-NBA coach of the year who is not too full of himself to say, I can keep learning. That, to me, is so inspiring. Some of our data that I love is... High performers are imperfect, like everyone listening, myself, Brian, we're all imperfect, but the high performers among us extract three to five times more information from the same opportunity to learn as an average performer. And that's what Doc Rivers did, exemplar of that. And so it doesn't matter where you're at, right? And I've kind of coached people on the front of Fortune or Forbes magazine and all these, but what differentiates them is they're always learning. They're constantly learning. And to be an aggressive learner, uh, I, I get so inspired by that because there's so much to learn. And here's the thing, the way the world is right now, it's moving so fast. It's being disrupted so, so profoundly that if you're not learning, you're going to be left behind. Do you know where he got that from? I don't know where it came from, but I'll say this. Doc lives with a humility. Like he just does. He doesn't think he's better. He, he just, he knows, he knows he's got a confidence in his material and his, you know coaching. But there's such a base humility that I think is so profound. And by the way, for anyone who's a manager or leader listening to this, that ability to be humble. Remember, anyone who's with you, there's something called CEO's disease. The higher you go up in an organization, the less candid feedback you're going to get from people. So if you're a manager or leader and you've got people below you, they won't give you information. They're scared to. But as soon as you show a bit of humility, that you're open to feedback from them, they so wanna give it to you. And so it actually works both ways. It, you grow in your learning and they feel more empowered. Um, I've worked with the US Navy for maybe 15 years and there's a great saying at the Navy, um, I didn't know it until I started working there, maybe people know it, I didn't. Ships are safe in the harbor but that's not what ships are for. I love that quote. And it, it really reminds me of like, we can stay in the harbor where it's safe or we can get out of the harbor. Yes, there's more risk, but there's also more reward. And to me, this whole podcast that we're gonna do in this book, hopefully, not hopefully, it's definitely gonna happen, <laughs> is about getting people to take that risk, get out of the harbor, right? Do those things that are uncomfortable, last 8% conversation, the difficult part of a conversation, last 8% decisions, all of the stuff, that to me gives me juice.
1: And I love that too. My my wife and I go back, and I'm I'm a little bit more the adventure out of my wife, and she's the safe one. And so her first thing with with the kids is always like, how can we keep them safe? And, and I keep coming back with, you know, how can we teach them to do dangerous things safely or yeah. or smartly or or whatever that might be. Yeah. And uh, what advice would you have for parents on that?
0: Oh boy, I've got a lot of advice. I don't know if any of it's good, but uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I I do know the the literature on parenting, so I, I shouldn't say that. Um. But but look, you know I had three kids, and was I a perfect parent? No. Um, but there's some good things that I think I did, and and but I love your question. So one is, uh, evening dinner is really important. It's really important. Um, I, I could go into all the science behind it, but that place to stop you know, practice gratitude, however, with prayer or without prayer, but just to practice gratitude, really, really important. It's a way for the kids, even if they don't want to, but just to feel like there's a consistency. That's really important. Number one. Number two, to ask them questions and to, to, to really kind of be curious versus certain as a parent. So to ask those great questions. And a couple of good questions might be, you know, some people do two thorns or two roses and a thorn, you know, two good things and one not good thing. But we would always ask another question, which is, you know, what risk did you take today? Right? Just without saying, oh, you have to take, but just what, what risk did you take? You know? And, and it's a hard one. Sometimes parents are like, oh, we shouldn't ask that. We want, we don't teenagers risking. Actually, I mean, when you look at the data, teenagers right now take way less risks than you and I did. They do. They've taken, they take less risks. The data is clear on that. So, it's not about risking, like, let's do drugs. It's not that. It's what personal risk did you take, which is your point, you know, where you were a bit uncomfortable, but you still did it. You went out for the school play, even though you're a bit of a jock, right? Or <laughs> vice versa. Yeah. Like, that's the stuff, right? Because at the end of the day, what wouldn't we do for our kids to kind of, you know, fully develop themselves? And that's, I think, a big one. I'll, I'll give one other great kind of tool, which is that when your son or daughter are frustrated with something and look, again, I'm not perfect at this, but I search, so try, is really try not to take what they're saying personally, right? They're going to say things because they feel comfortable with us. They're tired at the end of the day. You know, they ghost us in a sense, you know, not talk to us or be really not very kind. And the thing is, is that, for us not to take that personally, number one. And then number two is to use what we call the three L's, is to act as as a translator. So as they're talking to us, three L's, listen, and then act as a translator and label. Label it back whatever they're, you know, the, the facts of what they're saying, label it back. Feelings, facts and feelings. You just have to stick with that. Listen, label it back. And then look for a solution. What we do is we jump to ju- we jump to judgment, we jump to solution. Oh, you should do this. Oh, you should do that. No, no. We don't need to tell them what to do. We want to grow their capability. Listen, label, look for solutions can help with that. By the way, I'm going to make this um, uh, on our website, and we'll maybe put this in the show notes. My daughter, Bridget, and I, who is a senior now at university, she um, and I created this podcast, a one episode podcast, which I love. And may, I think I may have shared it with you, Brian, but I, I would like everyone to listen to this podcast. She got into a school that she'd worked really hard to get into. And three months in, and she was like a student athlete and all these great things. She realized she was depressed, anxious. She wanted to quit. She stayed for the year, but then took a gap year. And in her gap year, we created this podcast, which is, which is titled this, How to Coach Your Kid When You As A Parent Are Feeling Pressure and your teen is feeling pressure. And it's this really intimate conversation about her experience, the good things I did, the not so good things, and then some real hacks around listen label, look for solutions in that. So that's, and it's like six bucks and it goes to charity, but it's just a great little tool that I think parents can really benefit from.
1: Is there any sort of equivalent that you would do as a a boss or a manager with employees? Yeah,
0: so. So we have a whole suite of kind of product around how can you be, you know, a better, an exceptional leader. And to us, the essential skill of that is emotional intelligence. How can you manage your emotion in that moment of truth, really connect, get outside of your head, get to their side of the bridges. We like to use the language, coach them, collaborate. So, yeah, so I mean, um, so there's a whole bunch of training options, including digital uh, version So you don't have to leave your office for this learning. But, but I think I'm going to try and give you one. When we're with a direct report, when we're with anyone, quite frankly, they have three human needs that if we can meet, they're going to be open to our coaching. They're going to be open to learning, getting better. And it's this VVF. They want to feel like they have a voice with us, right? They want to feel heard. We don't have to do what they say, but they need to feel heard. And we have to be genuinely listening, opening, be curious, not certain again. So voice, then we want to find ways to make them feel valued. And every, you know, brought up Roman Catholic, but I don't believe in the golden rule. My mom does, I don't, we fight over this. (laughs) No, you don't, I really, I mean this. You don't treat people as they want to be, you don't treat people as you want to be treated because everyone you deal with is different. Some people want more public acclaim, some people want more private. You treat people as they need to be treated to get their best out of them. That's a very different, and my mom and I fight over this and you know, Anyway, I shouldn't really argue with Jesus, I suppose, but anyway, <laughs> so, so, you know, you, you give voice, you value them the way they need to feel valued, to, cause you know, to make them feel valued and then you can give feedback, but not first. Many of us, because we're hurried, you know, we're, we've got things to do. We just want to give our feedback and go, no, no, take the moment to ask a question, give voice, get more information, make them feel heard, which is a nice way to make them feel valued, voice value. Then you can give your feedback. And that's a really powerful uh, kind of little hack that I would suggest in the coach in the kind of manager leadership world.
1: Uh, what are some big, maybe uh, real world examples of maybe some of the coaches you work with? I, I love sports stuff. Maybe Doc or others that you're allowed to say. I know you have some private clients of you know when they've taken some of these steps, whether it's relationships with other people or self training or, or yeah. that sort of. thing. So
0: I, I'm going to go with. Um, I should say, you know, more of our work really is with Fortune 500 healthcare, education, you know, financial services, insurance, et cetera. Uh, More than you know, NBA, NFL. That's almost more for fun and (laughs) or Olympics. I get to go to Olympic games. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So that's kind of fun. But I'll I'll say this, um, and I think we have this case study maybe on our website. And I didn't actually do this work; my business partner did. But but it but it's a great story of this this one manager who was really technically astute, really smart, smartest guy in the room. But boy, you know, he left bodies in his wake. And the company was like, what are we gonna do with this person? He's just such a high performer. He's like the Dennis Rodman, right? Great rebounder, but he, he's not great for the team. And so they they brought him, you know, he did training with us, assessment training, coaching, and it was all around empathy. and And he has this great quote where he said, You know, at first I thought empathy was just like a tool of manipulation. You just do it to get people to, you know. But now he goes, no, it's like it's so much more than that. And it kind of, I don't want to say it broke him. That sounds so funny. But it kind of, it broke through for him that when people actually feel heard, when they feel valued, they'll go through a wall for a great manager and leader. And so I think that's probably almost one of the best stories, and we, you know, there's many stories, but that's one that hits me because we do a fair amount of work in Silicon Valley with, you know, Intel, technical firms, where there are lots of smart, technically skilled people, but they don't have a lot of emotional intelligence. And if you can see that emotional intelligence is not, it's not about being nice, actually. It's about, can you tune in? Can you connect? Can you get people to feel safe to take a risk? So around innovation, we, again, we do a lot of work around innovation do people on your team feel safe enough to throw a potentially horrible idea that doesn't look good on them? Because if that's not the case, you're not going to get innovation. You're not. So to me, it's like helping that kind of manager leader who's got all these other great qualities to understand you don't have to prove you're the smartest in the room. And if you really do listen to others, it's going to help you scaffold an idea to the next level. I'll finish with this one great Japanese proverb, which I love. All of us are smarter than any one of us. That's why you want to have emotional intelligence as that manager leader who you're asking about because five are smarter than one. It's just the the case. And so if you can't, you know, create a situation where people feel psychologically safe, you just, you won't get there. Innovation will die.
1: Thank you for joining us for the Beyond Speaking podcast. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen. To learn more, go to beyondspeak.com because adding the ING was too expensive. For this episode of the Beyond Speaking podcast, your technical director, producer, and head Steelers fan was Eric Woody. Your creative director and part-time leprechaun was Travis Franklin. Brian Lord, your host, executive producer, and specialist in speaking about himself in the third person. Additional thanks to special consultant and the pride of St. Paul, Lauren D. of D & Associates. Thank you to the incredible voice talents of the Muy Profundo, Robert Borges. Finally, thanks to the premier founder, Dwayne Ward, CEO Sean Hanks, and CIO Chris Young, simply because you need to thank powerful people. If you've listened this far, you clearly have nothing better to do, so why not continue on and listen to the next Beyond Speaking podcast?